D-A-K-I-C-K-B-A-C-K. Another episode of The Kickback with Sabrina, Sharika, and E.B. Sit back, relax, and vibe. What's good, kickbackers? Hopefully y'all having a great day. Um, we here. Another week. I don't know where you at in the world, but a lot of stuff still going on. People being indicted, mugshots being released. Life be lifing for some people, and other people just be enjoying the cool breeze, at least in Florida. Um, the heat be out, but it also have a cool breeze here and there. Just depends on the time of the day. But for my temp, um, I am doing well, doing good. If I had to put a number on it, I would say 82, 83-ish. Um, finally can be mobile, um, walking freely, so to speak. No crunches, crutches, have you said. Um, still got a brace. So it's a lovely accessory to my casual work outfits. Uh, but if I had a song for you, it comes from none other than my lovely brother from the other side of, well, I don't know where he at right now. Um, but I would say the other side of the globe because that's where most people know him from. But he is born and raised, if I'm not mistaken, from the west coast of Africa in the country of Senegal. And none other than a song that comes from Akon that's called Locked Up. <laughs> boy, boy, boy. I thought people was playing and I thought people was just talking, but they indicting people, cuffing people, and releasing mm-hmm. mugshots freely on people. Shout out to the Fulton County Sheriff's Office and Police Department. But yeah, that's all I got for y'all for my temp. Sharika, Sabrina, how y'all doing? How y'all living? Well, Lizzo, that pink song in Barbie, I loved it. When I wake up in my own pink world, I get up out of bed and wave to my homegirls. Hey, Barbie. She's so (laughs) cool. All dolled up playing chess by the pool. Except I'm the bad day virgin. Because later on in the movie, Barbie realized that people have morning breath. They can get musty. And she's like, (laughs) this is not the life for me. (laughs) She said... When I wake up in my own pink world, I get up out of bed and wave to my homegirls. Hey, Barbie. Hey, why so stressed? Could it be those irrepressible thoughts of death? That's how I'm feeling. Your girl got COVID again. I don't know how I got COVID and my husband didn't. I'm thinking the only place I've been that he hasn't been is like Zumba class and Aqua Zumba. And I surely didn't get COVID because we're spread out. Like, I don't know how I got COVID. I took the test three times because when my husband's was negative, I was like, surely it must be a mistake. I thought I was having really bad allergies. And I was talking to my sorority sisters. And one is a nurse. And she was like, oh, girl, you probably are not going through an allergy thing. You probably have COVID. A lot of people have been coming in saying they're tired and their allergies are acting up. And they definitely just have COVID. I did not think I would have it. I took that test. I said, not positive (laughs) again and again, because we are celebrating my husband's 90th, grandma's 90th birthday. So he has a a whole bunch of family coming in from out of town. And, you know, this is one of those things. Be careful what you wish for, because I'm super introverted and I like to charge up. I love my family and my friends, but sometimes I just get like, okay, 
I'm going to do this event and that event, and then I'm going to recharge. And now look at me. I'm not doing no events. <laughs> Although my mother-in-law was really sweet. She was like, you can still come. There'll be a spot for you on the patio. You can still swim in the pool. But I'm like, I'm not going to be the one. So we're celebrating grandma's 90th birthday party. And then next her funeral, because the one yeah. black person in the family gave her COVID. Like, no, I'm not going. So I have a very much attitude you know, I should be thankful because it does just feel like allergies, like stuffy nose. I don't even have a headache. I don't have a fever. So why am I complaining? But that's my vibe because I'm having such a good summer. And that song, Lizzo, you really did that. That was like one of my favorite moments in the Barbie movie when that little pink song came on. Shout out to the AKA somewhere because I know y'all are living Y'all's best life with the pink just looks so good on us. So I'm in a good mood, but I'm pink, the bad babe day virgin when reality just hits barbie and it's like dang life is good but not for me right now that's what it is although eb thank you for reminding me about those photos i'm waiting for trump's mugshot to come out today i don't think we're gonna see it i think he won't get one i think he'll get some special treatment but we'll see sharika how are you feeling I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Um, <clears throat> the temp is, the temp is 85 today, y'all. I, um, man, I'm tired, but I'm good. I, you, I just like, I feel like I'm just not getting enough sleep. When the time comes to go to bed, I'll be awake. And then when it's time to wake up, I'll be like, I don't want to move. So your girl's sleep schedule is off. But <clears throat> other than that, I'm doing really good. Uh, what else has been going on? Not a ding ding thing. Other than I'm already excited for my birthday coming up next month because I'm already planning on taking the week off to be relaxing, chilling, doing the thing, doing nothing, and then maybe seeing friends here and there. So I think that that's all I'm really looking forward to at this time. My son. I love that, Shrika. Yeah, my song um is <clears throat> Disappear by Beyonce. Oh man. <laughs> if I begged and if I cried, would it change the sky tonight? Would it give me some light? Should I wait for you to call? Is there any hope at all? Are you drifting by? When I think about it, I know that I was never there or even cared. The more I think about it, the less that I was able to share. I try to reach you. I can almost feel you. You're nearly here. And then you disappear. That's how I feel about these jobs out here. Okay. That's my tip. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't know that one by Beyonce. You I'm going to look that, that up after we get off the call. That is my song. <laughs> I love that song. That's a good one. I, what album is this? Because it's like the songs, like the ones that I really love are on the album that you might not have. What song is that? Oh man, I was just looking at the album because I'm like, you didn't know flaws and all. That's my one of my faves. I love it. Disappeared. I love this. Oh, that's on the Beyonce self-titled album, which is surprising because I thought I knew that album. But girl, I must be a radio Beyonce fan. No, no, no. I was as a kid. I was uh -huh. as a kid, but I know like Lemonade. I had that Renaissance. I had that. Not, not gonna pretend I have the Lion King. I don't have that, but I know the top songs from it. Mm. Y'all say no, she my I, girl. It's fine. Yeah, y'all yeah. know <laughs> how I felt about that. Um, that that something King. What is 
Blackest King album. I said, what is this? Beyonce. Girl, but brown skin girl goes hard. Come on. Oh, I and do Black like Parade. Oh, Black Parade was my jam off of that and Brown Skin Girl. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You good? No, I was talking about the documentary thing. And my power? Not, not the songs. Oh. Not the okay, songs. Okay, fair. The, 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 the visual thing. I said, ooh. Oh, I like girl. that. All right. Well, speaking of visuals, um, we alluded to this at the end of last week's podcast, but I'm really glad Sharik and EB got me to do what we should all do in life, not just with this situation, but with many situations. Do your own research. Don't just go by what other people say. Get into the nitty gritty of it so you can form your own educated opinion. And I am specifically talking about what happened with the real life story of the blind side. Turns out it was a double entendre because somebody was blindsided and it was the main character of the movie. And I am one who, I don't know why I felt like this, maybe because I remember seeing the movie and I was very much moved by it. But when Sharika and Edie first casually mentioned to me kind of what was going on with it, which is the fact that the young boy in the movie who was quote-unquote, adopted, and he was a young black man adopted by this white family. According to the movie, they, yeah, according to the movie, they taught him how to play sports. They put him on, you know, very much white savior, happily ever after. And now it's coming out that he is suing them for the money he's owed because they, first of all, didn't even really adopt him, and they pretty much ran off with his name and likeness and made money off of it and made sure he didn't get a cut. So when Sharika and E.B. first told me this, I was feeling for the family as somebody who was in a career for a long time that was about helping people, as somebody who has a mom who has a heart of gold, who's helped a lot of family members. I have seen firsthand how sometimes it can come back to bite you in the butt. Sometimes people don't manage their situation once you help them on their feet in a good way, and then they come back to you, and then it gets really messy. So I was like, oh, I don't know. I say I'm rooting for everybody Black, but in this situation at first, I was like, oh, no. They seem so nice. Not Sandra Bullock. <laughs> like, come on. Like, Sandra Bullock played the mom in the movie. And we should have known, as I heard in this podcast, they said that part in the movie where she goes to the hood and they're like, you know, I'm going to shoot you. And she's like, no, you're not. Like, okay, lies, right? <laughs> but I was still just like, maybe there's got to be another way. There's got to be another side. So that was my initial reaction. Before we get very much into it, I'm curious about Edie and Sharika's initial reaction where you like oh there has to be some type of mix-up or were you like for sure give that man his money or what were your thoughts so for me i was somewhere in the middle um because and i know usually that's not a good place to be right that gray area but i was like he made it to the nfl so i'm assuming well, i'm assuming i know he made some money there not knowing how much and not even know who controlled that right were they part of who his agent was and i know like they had the same lawyers that looked over his stuff look over his, theirs all that good stuff so um and that was bef- that's before before knowing that i didn't know that stuff from the beginning so i'm like oh he played in the nfl so he got some type of money so it's like i wonder was it a balance where it's like you really got paid a hundred dollars but i'm gonna give you 20 because you only need 20 and we'll hold the 80 um but then when you started just doing research it was just like wow this is more dark than i thought it was and it's just sad that these type of things can happen to people for me, I think I started out on Michael's side because the first time I really heard about it was, like I had mentioned to you guys last week, um, was the person that read the court filings. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, but so I was like, oh, 
and I listened to it on a podcast. So I was like, no, they didn't. I wasn't really on the Tui side at that point. I, I'm, I'm now. I'm, I'm more on EB side. Like after a few days and hearing some more stuff, I'm more on the middle now. I'm just. Oh, I that's think- interesting because I went from one extreme to the other. <laughs> I was like, we're the little family, and now I'm like, oh no. Oh, no, 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 no. So as we get into the conversation today, Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to hear the different facts Mm -hmm. we all have heard regarding the case. And then listeners, it'll be interesting to know where you all land after you hear everything we're going to share. I think that we should start with just talking about who Michael was and how he even got in contact with his family. So do y'all want (laughs) to get into that? Do you want me to share what I remember from the movie or? I just. Uh, You can start off. I was going to say. I was just gonna say, yeah, you can start off, but the way the movie portrays it is kind of <laughs> it's why I know, but that's why we gotta start there. So in the movie, young black guy who's of a large stature, and he seems like he may be on the autism spectrum, um, very high performing, but slightly uh, slow, and he comes from a really bad background, like on the streets, foster care no parental figures, no guidance. And this family becomes aware of his situation and they open him to their family with like full open arms. The mom is teaching him how to throw a football and they see this talent in him and they cultivate it. And all the access that they have as this middle-class white family, they put him through those doors that he maybe wouldn't have gone through. Now he did develop a special talent. And this is the movie perspective, y'all. He mm-hmm. developed a special talent in football and that's what they cultivated in him. And eventually he goes on to play college football and he goes on to play beyond that in the NFL. So it is a success story from mm-hmm. the movie's perspective where he's adopted and all of that. Interesting. The movie didn't mention a conservatorship. Conservatorship. Mm-hmm. Most of us heard that word after Brittany was out here doing yep. the trolls on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And we were like, huh. And they're like, free Brittany. And we're like, from what? The conservatorship. So then we learned that, you know, that is something that can happen when a person is deemed by the courts to not be mature enough, right mind enough, for whatever the reasons are. Another adult needs to be in control of their finances, business dealings, and et cetera mm-hmm. for their own protection. We heard about it again when Kanye was going through one of his darker times with the mental illness he struggles with. And he told us that his wife at the time, Kim Kardashian, and mother-in-law, Kris Jenner, were trying to put him in a conservatorship. And he said, forget that. Me and Bianca, we're going to write will marry somebody else. You'll never had that power over me so again i was hearing of this word that prior to that i had never heard of before what happens in this movie is i mean outside of the movie is the family does come in contact with michael but michael is somebody who was already involved in sports michael Mm -hmm. is somebody who is of a fine intelligence he is not on the spectrum i'm not sure why the movie i mean i know as somebody who loves theater and acting you want to do things to advance the drama but mm-hmm. movies are long lasting so it's interesting that that was agreed upon to portray him in this light in 2004 they come in contact with him and they do love on him but they tell him because of your age we can't adopt you but we're going to put you into the conservatorship what i 
thought was interesting is like conservatorship. Okay, I'm 18. If you were adopting me, would you have the following things that I'm going to mention? Would these things been in your control? Because these things seem very important to, to them. Control of his finances. All business dealings must go through them. Interesting. Because that was 2004. Between 2004 and 2006, a book is written about their story. He's not getting any of those proceedings, money from that. And then the movie comes out in 2006. So if you just wanted to offer me advice about money and stuff like that, I get it. I'm young. You don't want people taking advantage of me. But from my perspective, it appears that they didn't want others taking advantage of him so that they could. Because when you hear about what happened with the movie dealings, they made sure the Tully family, this is a white family, made sure that the mother, the father, and their kids got, I believe it was like 2% cut from everything that came from the movie, mm-hmm. but he didn't get that. Interesting. So now that I'm hearing that he's just like, hey, also with conservatorship, conservators are supposed to make known to the courts all of the financial dealings that are made, how much money's being made or whatever. And they never did that. What they did do is make sure their family was going to get paid and that they could control his finances. And I'm thinking now at the big age of over 35, I'm not sure of his age. I probably should have looked that up before we got up here, but he's still under them. The conservatorship, sure, he made money in the NFL and all that. And that is, you know, a side thing. My thing is give him what he is due. If y'all are making money off of his likeness and the movie is about him because without him there is no story mm-hmm. y'all are just a white family in america so i would be interested to, for them to share why when they made those dealings and yes it the lawyer thing being related to them or they're sharing that doesn't really stand out to me because in a family a lot of times you will share and be like, oh, this is my lawyer this is you know it makes sense but michael had the friend of the family and then they for themselves somebody else i just want to hear their defense of why their family got a percentage and he didn't Edie sharika any facts left anything about his story and what do you think about what i've shared so one of the things i was thinking i was just thinking about the conservatorship in general I only, like you said, I've only heard about it in these two cases, uh, cases with Brittany and Michael. And maybe I guess I could look it up, but I'm like, it sounds like conservatorship has no end date. It's just indefinite. And that's kind of wild to be like, cause, you know, he did this when he was 18. He's now well beyond those years. You know, I can understand maybe you need some guidance when you're an adult, but you're that young. I mean, you know, we know 18-year-olds, they're legally an adult, but most of them are still very much in the child mindset. And I think um, for one of the things they were saying for him, why they wanted the conservatorship or wanted that guardianship over him was because he um to get him into Ole Miss or oh whatever it was because it was like um he wouldn't have had those opportunities without them think I don't know if it's a legacy type deal so and 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 then there's also thoughts that maybe they also got a kickback from him going to that Ole Miss so 
But it's just interesting that a conservatorship just seems to go on indefinitely. That's that's the remarks yeah. I'll leave say for now. Yeah, so um, most cases, and I know different states typically have different laws, but a conservatorship literally don't end until the person dies or until the court deems necessary to end it. And then the part that some people don't recognize is, like, for example, say if Michael Orr, you know, not, well, I'm going to say, let me not even put no name on it. Say if a person who is under a conservatorship were to pass away, their conservators still have control over their assets and how things mm-hmm. are done. So like, even if you got family, you got a friend, you got somebody who you probably had a conversation with, but you didn't do like a will or a trust or anything of like, I want this to go there. That conservator will control all of their assets um, upon dying. So I would just say, unless you know you're riding with this person from now to the end of the time, don't <laughs> ever sign a conservatorship for any and everybody, especially for some of our young adult listeners who you might think is in your best interest because somebody loves you and they appreciate you. And maybe they're even doing things for you that is uncommon in a sense. And not, let me take it back, that are common for someone to do, especially if they're family or a friend of the family, but just don't ever take somebody to take control of you. The part that was interesting, and I think Sharika, um, Sabrina already alluded to it, is how them and their kids, and not we're not talking about Sandra Bullock, guys. We're not talking about the actors in the movie. We're talking about the actual families, right? Mm-hmm. Where they receive funds for this, but then the person that the story is about, um, again, received nothing. Some some articles say they all received like a flat fee of two hundred twenty five thousand, and then two and a half million um, on top of that towards the end on back end or that percentage that they got. Then other stuff say that Michael only received a hundred thousand. When like Sabrina said, like he is the main character. Like there is no story without you know him coming from this family of twelve. And we're talking about the movie mindset. This family of twelve not having ever having a, a bed. Um, learning how to play football with his family, having this big stature where you know he will be effective, beating the odds of somebody who has struggling with some form of learning curve or learning disabilities or with a low IQ where he proves himself, puts in the work, studying, tutoring, learning from a little seven, eight-year-old kid. However, mm-hmm. um, his little brother in the movie, like making you seem like he was that kind of, in a sense, what some would just deem as slow. Um, and I don't know if that's the politically correct term, but somebody who just has a learning, learning the spectrum. Lab, so or, you know, and it's just frustrating where a person would have to come um, just essentially about almost a decade, two decades later and still have these same issues arising. Um, and again, something else Sabrina mentioned, like his football career was something separate. So like I was one of the ones who was like, hey, what did you do with your football money at some sites have said he's made over 30 million dollars but even if you did like even if you were Mm -hmm. Elon Musk like it still doesn't make a right for somebody else to take advantage of you um especially watching a lot of the good things that he's doing with his charity and with his foundation and still pouring in to helping other people so if he had you know his assets um accounted for correctly the first go around just thinking of the amount of other people he could have been helping many people who were in similar situations to him. Like, let's mm-hmm. not make it seem like he, like the movie is all fixed and he didn't, ha- he didn't have a rough childhood. Cause I think he explains part of his upbringing on his own, but him knowing the challenges that so many people have, he would just have more, just again, more assets to help more people. And he wasn't afforded to do that because of just the way that he was deceived and manipulated, bamboozled, hoodwink, whatever words you want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, from the Tui family, from a story that I'm pretty sure many people was like, wow, look what this family did. Like, you know, they, but they had the savior complex in a way of taking advantage 
um, and coercing, uh, again, just a minority in this world and not really having his best interests at heart, but having their own interests at heart, including their kids, you know, and mm-hmm. it just sucks that they, I don't know, it sucks that they live that way. And I pray, pray God is with them. I am so interested to to hear their defense. You know how when we saw the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, it was all public? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, it felt like a little TV show. Now, I did not watch it in that way. What I watched was the, uh, I guess, X. Are we not saying Twitter anymore? Side note. Are y'all calling it X? You can call it whatever you want. If you say Twitter, <laughs> I'm going to know what you're talking about. If you say X, I'm gonna, it might take me a little time, but it's like, oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I thought we were talking about someone's X. No, and are they tweets still? Are they X? I don't know. But anyway, I was watching like the social media side of things and that was giving me enough detail. But this is a case I would love to watch. I need to hear their defense as a person who really, really loves when families do step in to help young people. And it kind of opens a larger discussion about what does help really look like, Mm -hmm. right? especially when you're talking about Christians and youth ministry. I remember I went to a conference and one thing my church does do, we love a conference, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I went to a really good conference. It may have been called equip or something like that. And they talked about how it is so important to keep the family of these kids involved or somebody else outside of just you, because you aren't a, a true savior is like what the foster care system is about, which is like reuniting families, mm-hmm. not just taking them for yourself. And because then like, where's the accountability in that? Who could then come into that, the truly family and be like, wait, what you're doing for your kids based off of my, like, what are your kids? Are your kids going to start throwing a football too? Like, I'm confused. I don't think those kids really help Michael become the man who who's going to become like, yeah. we need to make sure he's getting 2% as well. And you know, what about his other siblings? And like, I'm just so interested in that larger conversation. I want to know their defense of why they thought, Oh, well, we're, we can't adopt you, but we'll just be in charge of your finances. Cause adoption isn't about the finances. Adoption is about like, I'm going to love you. You are mine. As my What's child. Mine is yes. As my child. What is, if anything, I'm going to give to you everything that you need to be successful life. And I hope you're more successful than me. That's something that my parents would always tell us. Like, I want you to be smarter, wiser, quicker. I want you to succeed. I want you to take our family to the next step. Like we're constantly going up this mountain and I'm not positive. That's what they did with him. So the reason why I said I'm, I'm more in the middle now, and that's because the last update that I saw with the I'm not a lawyer, but she did share the TUI's response. And basically they're claiming obviously none of that is true. So now I'm like, I don't know what's true, what's not true. But I mean, I always, you know, I'm more of a I'm more of the support the victim person in general. Cause I'm always like, I I feel like if he now people can be greedy and people can, you know, try to get more than they they are owed, but I feel like if he was treated right, he wouldn't be doing, he wouldn't be um, filing this lawsuit. He wouldn't be going, you know, going after these people if they were so, you know, quote unquote, um, did all these things for him, loved him as their own child, treated him amazing. Yeah, I understand. There are times that people do turn on people unwarranted, but I'm like, I don't know. Would I, I don't know. I tend to be like, why would they, he do this 
after this this many times. So now I'm like, I don't really know. I want I have I've heard a few updates, but I haven't heard if there's been any more recent updates. But the last I heard, they were like basically just saying claiming that the things that he said wasn't true and that he has been paid. And I'm like, well, if he's paid, where are the receipts? Show the receipts. So even exactly. That, so that's the part that gets me what people don't understand. Even when you're a guardian, like I just think of my nephew um, and not to make it a big deal or switch the story or the narrative, but no, being the guardian, so to speak, of my nephew since my brother passed away in 2009, like I have mm. to, which I'm dealing with it right now, but I have to file an annual accounting of the money that my brother mm-hmm. left for him, of me transferring all of those funds to Haiti every single month. So like his mom, mm. it's $400, you know, and $400 for him every month for the, basically the money that um, his dad left him, so to speak. And so that's how he's taken care of. But to read that they've never filed an accounting since 2004, right? And I don't care what you did. And I'm saying what you did because like, yeah, you probably can find maybe a bank transfer here or there, but there's a great chance that it has not been consistent with them taking care of him. Cause even if you are the conservatorship, your right is still that individual. Like it's still their well being. like from their daily needs are you as the conservator, as far as those, those assets. And I don't think people understand that. And so that's the part that's really mm-hmm. gonna be when it comes to court. Cause like, if it's like, I'm just thinking from the outside, especially if I'm his attorney, if I'm looking at like, Oh, Michael has been paying his own mortgage. He's been paying his own car note. He's been paying his own vehicle insurance. He's been taking care of his own um, insurance for his, like his health insurance for him and his family. All of his food has been his expenses. Like if, and you see that typically because of just the way people bank naturally, right? Not everybody is using cash for everything. And it's just seeing all of his and there's no form of the Tui family helping offset any of those costs. Like it's going to be real, real ugly in the courtroom. And I just pray for the judicial system to just do the right thing. Cause sometimes I know we like, you know, I think we just said it right. We want to see it kind of play out in court and see what happens. But we also know that we have a flawed judicial system. So Mm -hmm. I'm just hoping that the right thing happened. Like they see the factual thing, the factual statements, they see what has happened or what hasn't happened. Like even if it's some offshore account or maybe they haven't been spending the money and they're told that they have to pay him, I don't know, $10 million due to him because that's what he's been spending the past such, such years. That'd be okay if they have those monies readily available to transfer to him. But I just want the court to make sure it does the right thing and that mm-hmm. he's not bamboozled um, by, you know, just the ebbs and flows of what can sometimes happen um, through per- preferential treatment um, of certain individuals in this country. So the other thing, that Evie, I, fam- oh, go ahead, Serena. He just nailed it with the fact that those things should have been disclosed over the years. And that's the, one of the red flags. The second thing is with the statement that they came out with being just like, oh, this is not true. All Michael did was come out and say, this is what is true. I wasn't mm-hmm. adopted. I was under a conservatorship. I haven't seen funding. Their kids mm-hmm. were a part of this deal. And they came out and said, well, that's not true. Well, what is true? Show that's the like, Where are the receipts? Exactly. Show the receipts. You're just saying he's lying. Okay, well, is he adopted? Is is he still under a conservatorship after all these years? Have you? Which y'all, y- y'all were the smart ones back in accounting. Did your kids receive? In my mind, this is what's happening. And I hate this if this is true. But in my mind, I'm thinking they're like, we help this young person get to where he's going. And he's going to make millions of dollars. And so we need to get our cut because without us, he would have been nothing. And it makes me ask myself the question too, like those of us who are in youth ministry, and if you're not a Christian, those of you who work with young people, 
those young people, God already made them who they're going to be. We are all just like, we're like little checkpoints in their life. They owe us nothing. Mm. If they want mm. to remember you, great. But like, if it wasn't going to be you, they were, it was going to be somebody else. I think that's mm. really dangerous when we start being like, oh, without me, without me. No, 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 no. I was just telling Sharika, um, a young person that wasn't in my organization or my church, but I was just constantly trying to look on the outside of my church to bring people in. He worked with us, fell in love with the organization. I haven't talked to him in years. It was a vibe, you know, we had our times in Carolina, but he hit me up on LinkedIn. He was like, I've been trying to find you for months. I'm going to be enrolled as a soldier now in your church. He doesn't even know that. I mean, I don't even be on it like that anymore, but I'm like, oh, okay. And he like <laughs> offered to like, he is paying, he wanted to pay for me and my husband, but my husband was like, there's too much travel. We have too much going on that weekend, but to go, he wants me there. And that is of his own fruition. But I told this young person, you owe me nothing. Like I, wow. I could come see you myself. And what he sent me was more than enough. And he's like, but I want to make sure you can get a room and a car and, and eat well. And I just want to thank you. And I'm like, it is very rare that in your life, you people who even I guess parents, maybe it's a little different with parents, but like, I'm really talking to youth ministers and people who help other humans be the people that God created them to be. Sometimes it's very rare that you get to see the end result. And you're just watering the flower and you move on. It is a huge blessing to me that God is allowing me to see this. But also I'm seeing it as a blessing and something that did not have to happen. And I'm so yeah, grateful. But no, you are old. No, we're not owed anything. If anything, mm-hmm. you, you better be thankful that God allowed you to speak into that young person's life because Watch that's a huge that. deal. That is, like God is trusting you to walk alongside their family, their parents. To see, like that's huge. Don't take yeah. advantage. So wow. I don't know if that's the situation, but sorry, Shriek, I cut you off. You're I'm fine. like, ooh, do y'all just feel like, well, he's not making 30 million without us. And guess what? I don't know, Michael, but I feel like because of the movie, which is such trash, but also because of the movie, I feel like he wouldn't have left y'all in the Dust Tooley family. I feel like you would have gotten a kickback. You know where they come from. And that's the thing. That's what, that's the part that's going to be interesting how this plays out is like, whether it was his football career or the money he would have made if everything was done in some form of an equitable way. Like I can't necessarily, and I'm only saying it, I don't know him personally, but only seeing it by the good deeds he's still doing for people who are less fortunate, where I think it would have been hard for him not to take care of them. Right. And um, for those of you who, you know, you like looking at videos or you like watching YouTube, I always tell people at times, especially with these types of situations, um, look up like Steve Harvey thanks man who helped him. Where like one of the episodes, he has the man who gave him some money and it's a, uh, it was, I don't know if it was neighbors or somebody in the neighborhood, but it was a white couple who always just looked out for him as a kid. And one day they gave him money to take a bus fare wherever he was going to one of his first shows. And then everywhere he went, he always, of course, thanked them because he felt like they don't want to make it happen. And then years go by, you're talking 15, 20 years go by you know, he finds either their kids or a friend of theirs and just asks them about like, what is their dream home? What is their dream car? And he gets them their dream home fitted, gives them the cars of their lifetime and gives them a substantial amount of money and say, if you don't want to work anymore, you don't have to, if you ever need anything, call me. Wow. And that was just a couple who just gave him money for a bus fare. And I'm not saying this is going to happen to everybody you help, like same similar situation that Sabrina is talking about. Like there's nothing in her. Like I can tell you just being around Sabrina, there has been countless and I would say hundreds of young people, mm. um, especially within the Southeast 
of the um, Southeast states from Texas all the way up to D.C., down to Florida, who she's poured into, who she's prayed mm-hmm. with, who she's sat with, who she's cried with, who she's given advice to, who she's, and I don't say wash your hands as in like I'm done with it, but it's like, I don't know what else to tell you. I've, I've expressed everything biblically to you that you could do in your life that would likely make this situation better. Who have people, it's kids or young people who don't even know she's prayed for them because she's either seen something they posted or heard of a situation that they're in, who she's poured into. And this is just one of several who have said, you know, come be part of this. Now, this is a different from, because you sometimes, and Sabrina knows this, Sharika knows this, hey, come to my graduation, come to my wedding, come mm-hmm. to this birthday celebration, just be around because you've made you made an impact in my life. But those things, in a sense, pale in comparison, not necessarily somebody being a soldier. I don't want to say that or a member of a church, but it shows the impact that a person made in their spiritual journey where I think this day is really, really important to me. And I want somebody who planted a seed or somebody who planted a seed and watered it or somebody who just let their light shine on me to show me what it looks like to be a believer. Because this is somebody who like just knowing I don't know the person exactly. But if she said the Carolinas, this is probably somebody who she ministered to over a decade ago. In a sense, like start mm, probably started a definitely is yeah mm, easily, definitely right? is. and then that person wants wow. you to be a part of that, and so it's just special to just know that um, if you learn anything from this Chewy situation, in my mind, and we don't know all the ins and out. If you have the opportunity to help someone, help someone. Um, but if you do help someone, never take advantage of someone. That's not who God has called you to. That's not what mm-hmm. God has called you to do. Oh. And that is not what you would do, even from a moral standpoint, right? Even if you're one of our listeners who's like, uh, I listen to y'all because I like the current events that y'all talk about. But when y'all go to talk about God, that's not really my thing because that's not my way of life. But even from a moral standpoint, there should be no reason to take advantage of another person. Um, and I always tell people that's one of the things that you see different from humans compared to what we see from other, I guess, animals or mammals or whatnot. Like it's survival of the fittest in the jungle or in the wild. But for us, it should be uplifting one another. Right. And Mm. that's what we should constantly be doing. Finding ways to encourage people, finding ways to bless people, finding ways to look out for people and essentially just shining that light, whether that's the light of Christ for those of us who are believers or just the light of humanity of being a good person. Like be kind. I don't know how else to break that down to just find a way to just be helpful to the people that you come in contact with. Um, I couldn't agree more with either one of them. I was just going to say, this is something that the two we said and um, that basically they said they didn't need his money because the father sold his company and he made, he was, he was already well off before he, they met him and that, um, and that Michael um, did get it. He was getting a cut um, from the movie and all that. And back to basically what we've been saying is like, if those were the cases, then that, the receipts would be there that he was, you know, down to get that he was in the contract to get money and he there will be receipts that he was being paid. So um, I don't understand where those facts are gone. And they said the conservatorship, they didn't send any, you know, report any of that stuff because basically they for, they basically said that we forgot we moved on with our lives we weren't thinking about that conservatorship so that's why we didn't file anything or send anything because we really haven't been abiding by this conservatorship we haven't been running his stuff he's been doing his own thing and we just basically moved on with our lives so that's why we didn't file this stuff that's why we didn't send the thing because we really ain't been doing nothing because we haven't been controlling his money we haven't picked his we haven't did anything for him so that's why they said they didn't they didn't do anything with the conservatorship. So uh, interesting. It, it I will be interesting why to see now. what 
it will be interesting to see what really, really actually did happen. And, and when the receipts have been pulled, if there are receipts to pull and what the receipts are saying. Why now, though? Like, well, uh, Michael, see, this is well, such a tough situation. Well, I'm saying Michael mm. started now because he, according to him, the final show was when he realized that they didn't, um, that he wasn't really a part of their family, I guess. And that, I yeah, guess that, that sucks. Was a, yeah, broke his heart part and, and just basically made him realize that maybe they weren't for me like I thought they were. So, and I wonder if it was something that happened, right? Like, because we all, and I'm not we mm-hmm. specifically, but sometimes certain things happen and then you're like, hey, we're like, you know, why wasn't I a part of that? So, like, I wonder if, like, the kids, um, mm-hmm. Sean Jr. or Colin or whatever his name was, or Collins, her name, like, did they get married? Did they have a birthday celebration? Like, did they see something where you're like, oh, snap, I wasn't there for that? And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that's the case, but I know that mm-hmm. sometimes... You know, those some triggers it. Those things easily trigger things for some people, right? Like, um, I don't know why, but like for some people, when it's a wedding, if they don't get invited, they feel like their friendship is off. And it's like, you don't know that person's finances. You don't know what conversation mm-hmm. they had with their spouse. Like, it's, you know, don't, I always tell people don't have beef with those type of things. Mm-hmm. Like, just cause it's not, it's, I don't know, at least for me, it ain't that deep. Like, I love, yeah. I love celebrating people. I love being around people. But, and I say this on the podcast and I'd be saying this to my wife. Like, it's okay for us to say no to some people's wedding. Like, I would prefer to just give you a gift than me to figure out where I'm, how I'm going to get there, where I'm going to stay at. Vehicle, no, you be going to have to get a fit. Got to get a fit. Like, that's, a, that's a big thing. Like, got to get a fit. Like, just the other day at a wedding, I'm like, I don't ever think I would have ever had a lavender suit. But the lavender suit looked good. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Amen. thank you for this new suit to my closet. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jude and Orlandi for getting married. Tying the knot. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, Jude and Erlandi. I know Jude sometimes listen. Um, so that's oh, why I can say did. Jude. He sometimes <laughs> listen. I don't think, well, I don't know if he listened in the car, but I was like, I don't know if Erlandi listen. If you do listen, shout out to y'all on getting married. Remember what I told y'all, keep your business, your business, unless God tell you to share that business. That's your marriage. You're started. You, you have started a new unit and nothing wrong with the Sylvester or the Kensia family. But as those families join together by just being families because of y'all two, remember that you two are a family and whatever you guys create together is what you create. Um, and in the words of the wise, protect your unit. Okay. You be giving a word that. for them and for everyone. Shoot. For everybody. Oh, and that's one of the things for the same situation, <laughs> that's a right? Word like for Michael, them and for everyone. Like for Michael, he got to find a way to protect his unit. He don't feel like his unit was being protected and taken care of. So now he got to take legal ramification and i would i would be hard pressed i might be wrong just because i don't know all the details i don't know these people personally but i would be shocked if he didn't try to do a soft volley to the Tui family of like hey where are we uh-huh. at with such and such but like, uh-huh. it, it hasn't come out but like uh-huh. but even for you as uh, like a family like what are you looking out are you reaching out to him there's if you're the conservator <laughs> and you have a conservatorship on someone it's your job to be responsible on that person not the other way around. Like if you're a guardian, it's not the job, the kid's job to make sure, Hey mom, mm-hmm. are you going to pay the light bill this month? Hey mom, mm-hmm. are you going to feed me this month? That's not how it works. So mm-hmm. I would say this in the same situation, like they should have, like, and I don't know what would made the family drift or I know life happens for seeing people but when you could have also went and got a court order and say, Hey, we're ending this conservatorship and all the funds that we get. Cause I'm pretty sure they're still getting back in. I'm pretty sure even with this situation, I would love to know the spike of, 
people who screamed or bought the blind side in the past few <laughs> weeks because I know it happens. I don't know why it mm-hmm. happens that way, but it always happens. Like when people have beefs, we saw it during the pandemic when people was having verses, people who you never went to go listen to is their mm-hmm. screams went up during those times to be like, oh, snap. Like what songs do they have? What songs are they going to play? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? And I'm pretty sure the same thing. Like what? Like what? He never really got adopted. No, I watched the movie. He had to get adopted. What? Like what happened? Let me go watch it again. Just because I know that that's. Mm-hmm how we as a society um, work. So I would say, you know, protect your unit, protect your mind, um, trust in God at all times. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. And that was definitely me. I was like, let me run this back. No. So- <laughs> Evie did recommend it to the people. So I'm just saying. <laughs> I will say in my life, I can think of like only one time where I was like, oh, I feel like this family is trying to pull me into like the white savior complex. But I have a mother and I have a father and I, I'm good. I have black skin and I'm petite, but I don't need to be saved. And the moment I felt that, I distanced myself from them so quick. I remember they were youth leaders in my church at the time and I was friends with their daughter and they like hired me for my first job at a camp in North Carolina. But I just started to hear things that they would say or see the way they would treat people. And I was like, oh, they think I'm a little less than because I'm black. But I rock with them and it's great, but I can be successful without you. So their last summer as the youth ministers, I went to work in another state. And I remember the husband called me and he's like, Sabrina, what do I hear about you going to work in Georgia? I was like, yeah, it's a, yeah, I'm, I'm out. And he's like, well, it's going to be our last summer. And I was like, dot, dot, dot. And <laughs> I know that the Lord like put that. It was a good word that the Lord put in my heart because like, no, like what it goes back to the Thule family. Like you don't know me and don't you dare disrespect the parents that I had by thinking because the Lord has blessed you with this authority that you have full authority over my life. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking that as like an eight, I was like 18, 19, but they had known me since I was like 15, 14. And later on in life, uh, cause they met my sister through me and like, well, you know, they were five at, at the time when I was young and didn't have this, the discernment. Uh, my sister actually being ended up being in ministry with them. And that same husband said to my sister, because she asked a question about the finances of the ministry. And she was like, hey, I'm, I know I'm an assistant, but I feel like I need to know these other things, too, so I can really spread my wings and fly. And he said to her, don't you dare ask about these certain things. I'm the leader. Don't you know I have control over your life? And when my sister told me that, I remember thinking, see, the Lord really put me on. I told her to stop effing with those people, but no, no, no everybody's an individual. They have to find their own journey. But I was like, I knew they felt that way. Like I am control. And it has been such a blessing to me to, for God to put me in situations where they have seen me be successful just after separating myself from them, you know, because Mm. I was like, yeah, guess what? I have the Lord. I don't need you. Mm. I don't need your white privilege. Like all of that, you know, y'all you're good. And I have had, obviously, other white people in my life who have been great because they weren't white people and I wasn't the little black girl. We were just people. We were just Christians. And I I can tell the difference. Well, as a teen, I could tell the difference of when people were on that white savior stuff and when they were just on that Christianity, I'm a human, you're a human stuff. And if you're a little black person, run away when they do that to you. If you learn nothing else from this episode, because they will get the percentage of your money and give it to their kids and leave you high and dry and cold and in the dirt. Okay. <laughs> and that's what I gotta say about that. 
That is hilarious. Sharika EB, do you feel like in your lives, have you ever had someone, and they don't necessarily have to be white, but you felt like, oh, uh, actually, I'm good. I, You don't have to feel sorry. Like, I'm good over here. Uh, I would say for me, no. Um, But we did have a person who was heavily involved in our family and was willing to go above and beyond, but it was never like a, let me hijack one or two of the kids. And I think part of the problem, cause there was so many of us. So it was just like, I can't do that. Um, but like, it would be times where literally would look at my mom and dad. And this is something that shout out to you, Sabrina, cause you've already offered that to me and Judith, but he would look at my mom and dad and say, Hey, um, y'all don't have to take this. I'm not giving this to y'all. Cause I feel like y'all need it, but here's some money. Go have a date or a treat and let us take the kids from y'all. And he literally would just take us because he had jet skis and a boat house on the lake and a nice pool. And he would just say, just go have a date night. Um, and it I was just that. always weird for my parents because, you know, that's not in a bad way, but that's not something that commonly happens, right? Like I told y'all to like be kind, but we don't always see that in humanity. And you mm-hmm. definitely wasn't seeing that in the late 90s, early 2000s with a lot of people either, especially of different um, socioeconomic backgrounds and those different ethnicities. So it was weird. Like for him, it kind of worked out because he was one of my older brother's basketball coach, um, but he was also a multimillionaire. Like he was regional president of what now is Truist, but a lot of SunTrust banks throughout Polk County and shout out to Coach Steve. Um, but he would, I don't know if he listens, I doubt he does, but um, he was <laughs> the one that just always looked out. And it wasn't just our family. It was just like people as a whole, like, and then when we got older, it used to be funny because you get older, you start hearing stuff. And that's something God has always been working on me with of like, and was he doing that as a tax write off because of the amount of money that he makes? Or was he actually generous? Like he would be the one it's two, 300 kids at the boys and girls club. And he say, Hey, um, from four to four thirty, all these kids belong to me. Everybody load up on the vans, take us to the local ice cream shop. Everybody gets ice cream. 20, 30 minutes, hop back, back back on the bus, go back to the boys club before your parents come pick you up by five o'clock. And so it used to be that that thing of like, is he doing this because he really cares for us? Or is he doing this because of, you know, him being a businessman? Then it got to a point where like, it doesn't matter why he's doing it. He's doing it. Like, why am I trying to, I guess, mm. minimize his great deeds or his good exactly. deeds in life? I was and, like, you know, as a kid, I had to just get Shoot. older. I had to get older. And I, like, because you're hearing this from a whole bunch of older people. So it's like, you naturally- Haters. Yeah. So it's like, what is going on? And so I was just following suit as a kid. But then I got older. I'm like, no, he really solid because you just saw the amount of people that he helped. And you saw the impact that he also made where people would say, like, you have those, little, especially as, at the boys club, where people ask you, like, who do you want to be like? Like, you will hear the commonality of a lot of kids just saying his name. Like, I want to be like Coach Steve. I want to make money where I can help a lot of people. I want to get people free pizza mm. or free ice creams and stuff mm. like that. And so mm. that's, one of, that's one of the people I definitely... Steve Calagridis, who I definitely looked up to. Um, of course, as we got older, we saw that he was making choices that wasn't the best, but he bounced back from those choices. Um, God. And God, God see fit for him to continue um, influencing the world and the good things that he's still doing for people. So shout out to Coach yeah, that's Steve. Right. For the good deed that he's doing around the world. So that's the only time I felt like it could have got close, but it was more so just somebody who was really helpful and generous to the community and it was everybody white black mexican puerto rican like it wasn't like i'm only helping one demographic as what we've seen in the movie because i'm pretty sure there were some white poor people in their area as well but 
Yeah. No, right. Shout out to the white poor people. Y'all be existing. I just want y'all to know. We see y'all too. We, we know the struggle. <laughs> we do. <laughs> no, I remember like talking to some of my white friends and they'd be like, it's so annoying because people just feel like we're, we all have it like that. And it's like, actually, we don't. And it's like, yeah. I know. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that, tickled, that tickled my soul. <laughs> <laughs> just chill out with the laughter Shereka, um, on the episode. Did you have anything like that? Or do you have any right. final thoughts? No, nope. I can't say that I have. I think I, I didn't really, I felt like I was just always with my parents. So nobody ever had a chance to be like, we like rode with the fam. Like I was just, just we was just always together for the most part. I really was just always with my family. I do. I mean, I just, ha- I've had people invest in my life, but like, I was just, I'd be at home. I was at home. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Experience. Love it. I was definitely unleashed on the Salvation Army. Like three or four times a week. Um, But honestly, the experience that I talked about mainly happened in the summers and then throughout Mm -hmm. the year because I got close with their kid. So we Mm -hmm. like, you know, hang out sometimes throughout the year. Um, uh, But as Sharika and Edie shared, the truth hopefully will come out in the court system Mm -hmm. and hopefully we'll see justice and, you know, for the Tuli's sake, I really do hope maybe it was some absent-mindedness and they were like, oh, we just forgot, but here's all the records and, oh, do we owe him this? Well, here's his money. We will always love him. Mm-hmm. And that is the best possible scenario. Um, but when the um, trial comes out, we'll recommend it because I will definitely be listening in. Are all trials public? Because I feel like they they are, but I've only heard of like having access to certain ones. Are they public yeah. record but not recorded? Like, so yeah, yeah trials think- are definitely public records unless it's like a serious case where certain things and they'll become sealed. But I've rarely seen that, and I say that like you won't, like we won't get. I don't think we can access public records as far as like um, what what's the word like military court cases. Um, mm-hmm. I forgot what they're called. It's a specific word for NCSI. Yeah, like something like those crazy things. Like we don't get access to those, but for the most mm-hmm. part, like jail records, mugshots, um, court records, all of those are public documents. The problem is for some of them, like you got to do some digging in. Like I just go online and I can get the docket. Some of them you would have mm-hmm. to like write a paper in a sense or fill out a form and then request it, re- request it from that local county or judicial court system that that trial was held at. And some of them, like this one, I, I think, like the let me take it back. What's the other one that we just talked about? The What's the one you just talked about, Sabrina? Me? Oh, the Trump one, Lizzo. Oh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. So Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, right? That judge was like, because it being Johnny Depp, like, it was like, yes, I'm allowing. Because courts, right, when it's high profile, like, I would be shocked for this one not to be. Because what happens is you have all these main media sources, outlets who ask the court, can they film? Because it's all, again, it's public. So it'll be up to the judge to allow that in his or her courtroom. So Mm -hmm. if the judge say, no, I don't need the distractions, I don't need the influence of because you're trying to get jurors or trying to get your lawyers to not see all the extra stuff on the news but once they go live like everybody sees it so then you'll have regular i don't say joe blows but the people who come in as reporters where they can you can i can go to a court you can go to a court case if you know when like if it's in tampa florida in courtroom 3b on the third floor and it's the second courtroom it's at nine o'clock if they say that you can go and if you was a reporter for i don't know tampa tribune or tampa times or bay news nine even if you don't have a camera you're just taking notes and writing everything down or keeping it in your phone and then when you get back you're writing the story on 
all the stuff. So that's how we find out updates from court cases here or there. Like the judge or the attorneys typically aren't talking to people. And then sometimes when you do hear the attorney is when they're walking out of the courtroom and somebody's asking them a question. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times those are tight lips, right? They're like, well, we handled the case as best we could or the judge didn't work in our favor or we'll be filing appeal or the judicial system is broken. Like they're not giving you the rundown of what their defense <laughs> was, so to speak. So it's going to be interesting. I hope it is just to see it. Um, and I say see it more so the highlights, probably not sitting there watching the two, three hours of the dialogue back and forth of every little thing that's discussed. But I know it's the lovely TikTokers in the world or YouTubers who can hit us with the quick points and I'll try to watch those highlights. Exactly. And there's that lawyer on Twitter who released the letters that certain stars wrote for Tory Lanez. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she'll be releasing some things in regards to this as well. Yeah. Hilarious. Well, let's go Pretty to the scripture so. for the day, which is also hilarious. It comes from Acts chapter 10, verses 27 and 29. This is a message virgin. And um, I'm just going to get right into it. Basically, a man uh, was living his life and he got a message from the Lord to connect with Peter, right? So he sends his people, they got Peter and that's where we're starting from. Talking things over, they went into the house where Cornelius introduced Peter to everyone who had come. Peter addressed them. You know, I'm sure that this is highly irregular. Jews don't just do this, visit and relax with people of another race. But God has shown me that no race is better than any other So the minute I was sent for, I came, no questions asked. But now I'd like to know why you sent for me. So several funny things here to me. First of all, that he's like, listen, I'm not saying I'm racist. I'm just saying, you know, we really don't be messing with other people like that. But God told me it's fine. It's cool. So I'm not now I'm here. But also, what do you want me here for? I just feel like his energy. I mean, Peter being the rock, but also being the one who like when they came to get Jesus, like being ready to like get physical. I know I've never been in a fight, but I feel like that's the energy I would have. I don't want to say I would have the energy of the denier, but hey, self-preservation. He said, they're about to crucify Jesus. If I'm crucified, I can't really help out. So I don't know the man. (laughs) But then afterwards, he was like, no, I do know you. I love you. I'm sorry. I just like Peter's bluntness and um, his realness. So shout out to Peter for today's scripture. Funny. Evie, what are you expounding on today? I'm expounding on people getting locked up um, and people not doing (laughs) what they need to be doing. Um, I won't go into too many details because y'all always hear it from us, especially from the kickback family. We encourage you to do your own research. But you talking about um, former U.S. President Donald Trump and 18 of his colleagues, um, Mm. just all of them facing these same charges of trying to overturn the election. Um, it's just weird that it's on one breath. People tell you to live by the system of this country and just obey and do what the country tells you to do, especially when it comes to like law enforcement officers or the judicial system or some form of like, you have to listen to what they say. And then on the other hand, when things don't work out the way um, some people, they basically throw a tantrum and throw a hissy fit, so to speak, um, when things don't go their way. So you have basically a state attorney, um, Penny, uh, Willis Mills, I don't know, who just was like, yeah, I need all y'all. Let's round up you, your whole crew. Need y'all to turn your stuff in by Friday, um, which is of this week, uh, the 20, by, by the 25th, I need all y'all to be here. And you had, you know, all, most of them have already turned themselves in. All of them got their mugshot. And that's why it's like Trump is, or former president, 
Donald Trump will be getting a mugshot as well. Though fake mugshots have circulated online with T-shirts. Mm-hmm. I know outside of Fulton County Jail, it was a conglomerate of his supporters who were there waiting for his arrival because he said he will be arrested. He will be arraigned. He's ready for them. He don't mind flying into Georgia. He loves Georgia. Georgia is a great state. <laughs> you know, him just being him. And it was just hilarious. Lordy, Lordy. Um, but then I'm thinking, like, what do these people do for a living where they, like, got time to just go hang out outside of a jail? I'm like, and that's why sometimes I'd be like, I need to be remote because I can be one of those people. I wouldn't go to Georgia for that. But if I lived in Georgia and I was remote, it would be like, let's go really see this man. Um, but all that to say is that out of the 300 or so, 300 or so million people we have in this country, which if I'm not mistaken from the last I checked, the over 200 or so who are U.S. citizens. And I think over the 70 or 80 who are U.S. citizens and over the age of 35. The two leading candidates for our 2024 election is current President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. There, he's leading. Oh, he—it's a landslide right now. Like he eating our government up. Like, and he's eating them up so bad that he was the topic of. I would encourage for people. I don't care what side you're on, whether you're um, Democrat, whether you're Republican, whether you're Independent, whether you're neither of the three, or you're trying to figure it out still. I would encourage you to go watch the Republican debate that happened this week. Um, and I know it's a little lengthy and you're like, I feel like people talking in circles. I'm not getting anything. All of these people wouldn't be my president if I had a choice to vote. But I would encourage you to just go watch it to see the magnitude or the power that our former president, Donald Trump, still has on society. But like and I'm saying he's leading by a landslide. You're talking like 60 to 70 percent of known Republican voters say that's who they're voting for, while 15 or 16 percent saying Ron DeSantis and everybody else is like two, three, one five, four, you know, those things. But it's, I don't know, for me, it's just asinine that those are our top two candidates. Like, I don't know all the state's governors. I don't know all their policies. I don't know all their standing on things. I don't know all the senators. But you can't tell me that even in our 50 states that we don't have two better candidates on either side of the political aisle. Um, And I don't know, it's just disheartening to see and to think about. And I saw a meme the other day that Bill Clinton is younger than both Joe Biden and Donald Trump. <laughs> Bring it's back like, Bill. It's like, and I was like, I don't know why we changed it to only two ter- two terms, but at this rate, like I would oh, take dang. George Bush or Bill Clinton right now. Um, and I only say that because I feel like you at least knew what you're going to get. You're going to get for Bill Clinton. You're going to get a person who's focused on a lot of programs for, um, I guess, society and going to spend a lot of money. And then for Bush, you're going to get. Well, I feel like he's I'm not gonna say otherwise. You're gonna get a lot of sarcasm and a lot of mm. humor, and you're gonna get a focus. I guess you can say a, a militant, so not a militant in a bad way, but an army-driven individual. Now, I know part of that was caused by coming into office. You just got to think he came into office seven, eight months later after his inauguration. Nine Eleven happens where some people say we should have never been in certain places because they never had weapons of mass destruction. Blah 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 blah. All that good stuff. But I think. You know, I think either of those former presidents or even President Barack Obama will be better than the two candidates that we currently have as our leading candidates for the Democrats. What is Biden doing that's so wrong outside of being sleepy? Like, I don't see him really. What's so bad about him? He trips so I don't and falls think a couple of times. So he, for Hi. me, I can't speak for everybody. For me, I, I think it's more so of when you're a leader, you have to you have to be trustworthy. I guess that's what I say. And I don't think on either side, and I know it's some people who are, who, who lean left. And I don't like saying lean left or lean right because left is typically the wrong side. It, that's not the way that 
like, and I know people say that, but when you read scripture, the person on Jesus left, or he put the goats on his left and the sheep on his right. There's a lot of scripture mm, that talks about the left okay. and the right, mm. cutting down left the left hand or this, you know, and we can go on and on in that. And I know that might just be coincidence, but, you know, I don't really hear too many people saying, Jesus, can I be on your left side? Except for the brothers who came, can one be on the left, can one be on the right? <laughs> Everybody right. always says at the right hand of God, at the right hand of Jesus, at the right. Like, why not the left? I'm not saying you curse if you left handed. I'm just saying throughout scripture, it doesn't necessarily seem like the left is the place to be. Um, but for me, I don't think he commands the attention of the country as a whole. And I know there have never necessarily been one that does that, but we have had people who can kind of unify people in some stances. There are people who shifted ways after Bush to vote for Obama. I don't think you necessarily saw that um, with either of our last. Well, I guess with Trump, you definitely seen it where people like this is too much for me. I got to go the other way just to see. Um, And I know for some people, they see the stuff that matters to them most when they see Mm -hmm. the craziness of inflation and they think a president can come in and change that or his Congress, whether it be the House or the Senate can come and change that when they see housing prices look ridiculous when they see rent. And I think it's more so the feel of change simply right some people might not even get what's better from the next person um but them having i guess the notion or the mindset that if they see a different face it gives them a glimmer of hope and i Mm -hmm. think that's what we saw in the last presidency from one to the other but like if you had some when they were thinking about their mortgage prices or their rent prices under one president compared to the other it was vastly different um, and I don't know what laws can be done for inflation or price hikes and stuff like that, but I would assume that there's something that can be done in our country. And that's why some days I feel like our federal government should have more of an overarching, I guess, priority or ramp, I guess, power, so to speak, where they can make national mandates. Like if my, I don't know, I'll use Florida. If the national average of salaries in Florida is $70,000, then for whatever house should be capped at whatever that, you know, that 25 or 28 or 30% that they say, like there should be not as far as average. I'm not saying every house, cause you can't go get a million dollar house for 350,000. Not for me. I don't know why not. But like when you see prices of certain houses and I'm like, I would not pay that. I can't afford that. Like, even if I wanted to, the average person can't afford that. So who's moving into these certain places. And then you just create that cycle of people going into debt, people getting evicted, houses becoming ghost towns after a few years where even for us, I was just thinking about us three who stay in this Bay area. I'm looking at all these developments. I'm like, where are these people at? Like mm-hmm. who moving here? And you know, you give it a couple of weeks, you see a lot of houses up and you see a lot of cars there. So it's like people moving into them. So I guess some people getting the money some way, shape or form, but that's the only thing I can think of. But um, I would say go do your research, watch the Republican, the national Republican debate, the, the one that your president, your former president missed out on because he basically said he's too good for that. And he don't want to answer none of those people because he knows he's winning the nomination, which is going to be interesting how the RNC plays that um, because he still has, in a sense, the masses still want him to be president. Um, mm. But also, I just don't think that neither of them are the best oh, two candidates. He just country. lost. He just lost. I can't. I thought we were done with this. And I thought it was hilarious that he said he wasn't doing that debate. And his son was like, oh, they won't let me in the after debate talk, sir. <laughs> he wasn't in there. They only let the people in that space who ha- who were in the debate. Like, he looked like he was about to cry. I'm like, oh, my God, y'all are so entitled. Um, Evie, I want to do your recommends. But literally, that whole season of my life was so stressful 
And maybe I'm being the snowflake that they say, like, we can't handle. I can handle different opinions. I just can't handle ignorance and stupidity. Like, mm-hmm. why would I have, why would I force myself for that? But if EB could sit through it, I'm like, ah, can I, EB, can I sit through it? Am I going to be you pissed? Can. I will say okay. this too. For some people, um, like, and it's not for everybody, right? Because I'm saying it's not for, it, well, it should be for everybody if you call this your country so you can know what the potential is and where people stand on certain things. Just because sometimes I think people, some people sometimes vote blindly, and I think that's damning mm. to our nation. Um, yeah. so, and I'm not telling you to vote left, right, middle, no vote, whatever. But it's like when you hear certain people say, I'm voting for this person, and if you go to them right now, what is their thing on foreign policy? Where do they stand on immigration? Where do they stand on Social Security? Where do they stand on retirement? Where do they stand on helping the poor? And like most people don't know those average things because they're not watching those things. They see little tidbits or they see a tweet or something on social or on something, a video, that an excerpt that may have come out. But those are things that are politically driven by certain media's outlets. But I enjoy hearing things from the mouth of that person. Now, granted, we've all seen all politicians, and I would say probably all the way back to George Washington, where a person might say one thing and do the opposite. Um, So I know you can't take that for face value. But sometimes those things are just challenged by, again, knowing who you're voting for. So that also includes watching the people in your house, watching the people in your Senate, watching the people who are currently, and I'm saying this because I just seen it the other day, current congressmen who are resigning to go work on you know, basically as political advisors for some of these people on the campaign. So now there's open seats around the country where somebody has to vote. Special elections have to happen for somebody to fill those roles for those people where you're just not voting blindly because of your political lines, but you're voting on things that truly matter. I say to the kingdom. And then after that, for you, now the kingdom is the most important thing and really should be the only thing. And hopefully your values in life aligns with the kingdom. Um, if they don't, that's something for you to pray about and for you to figure out. But that's between you and your fingers or however you vote at the poll booth. I don't know if it's electronic for you or if you're bubbling it in. But however you do it, that's between you and you at the voting booth and, of course, God, because he knows all things. Um, and then for any election or any video I ever recommend, if you one of those people who are like, I can't sit through this whole thing. I'd be on YouTube, it'd be on 1.25 or one and a half or 175. And it's certain people who I don't want to hear because I'm like, you have no chance of winning. Not because I don't mm-hmm. think you're going to win, but because nobody in the country thinks you're going to win. And I don't <laughs> think God is going to force you in that seat. <laughs> um, but it's, it's like and- just some of the people who like, you're there at 1%. Like you don't see people go from 1% to being the Republican or the Democratic nominee. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so I look at the DeSantis, see what he's saying. And I know I see some of the terrible things that he's doing here in this mm-hmm. state. And then I listen to our former President Trump because they look like the top two candidates for the Republican Party. And I don't even know who would be the second runner because Joe Biden is saying he's going to run again. And I'm like, no, bro, give it up. Let another person. That's run. insane. Like, I'm so upset. Um, that here's Hillary the thing. I'm not a Republican. Right. Exactly. I'm not like. On the little voting card, I was independent for the longest time. And then I found out I couldn't vote in the primaries. In the primaries, mm-hmm. I can't vote for the Republican nominee. So I'm like, why would I watch their thing? But you're right. It is good for me to know what's happening over there. I just get, uh, but I can't even vote. So I can watch the debate. But you can always it switch comes it. down to it, you know what? I was really thinking, like, I wish I could get millions of people to switch it just so we can make sure it's not Trump. And then mm-hmm. we can pop back over Let's do it, guys. Because I don't think people think about those things, right? Like, that's a, that's a, and you could do it. Hey, for those who are on the other side, if you feel like, man, I'm okay with policies that the Democrats have, but I'm not necessarily fond of the current president, you can, if you're on the other side, you can flip 
like if like flip to the other side and vote for the second place and see what the second place can make happen. If the second place can become first place, but just sitting idly by and just going through the motions, that's the part that sometimes, even for me, sucks. I sometimes have to do that, right? You see policies happening, you see things happening, you're like, this is, I don't know, I can speak for Florida specifically, just looking at stuff from the school system specifically, right? Where people are basically being told that, you know, being a slave helped them discover skills that they would have never gotten if they weren't a slave. Or, hey, we're not even going to talk about African-American history, but Mexican, Mexican-American history, Asian-American history, this culture, this heritage, we're going to keep that in the books. They they need to know their history. Um, but basically, those who are tearing the second or the third most populist group um, who helped build this nation, we're just going to remove those from our AP courses. We're going to little by little take them out of our textbooks. Certain districts are told what companies they can use for their textbooks so they don't have what some deem as woke ideology. And that's why I always love to have these conversations in person, because some people, they are so stuck on their talking points that they hear from, I guess you can say their peers or from they hear from their news station. And then you ask them, like, so you mean to tell me it's not important to talk about the slave, the slave trade? You mean to tell me it's not to talk it's not important to talk about what other countries sent troops to help fight during the Civil War. You mean to tell me it's not important. And it's crazy because it's like we can keep certain statues up in certain places, so we can keep these certain flags up, but this whole history is gonna be essentially whitewashed. And that's why I always tell white, black, Hispanic, Asian, Latino, um Native American, Alaskan, Hawaiian, Pacific Island, or I'm just trying to think of all the ones that check the boxes, all people in humanity. That's why you try to your best to teach all history, because if this continues at this rate, you're talking about a generation who's raised up right now who won't know that slavery actually happened. Or if they're in Texas, they will know that um, workers came from Africa to help whites out. They won't know that it was slavery because you're not even teaching that just like when I grew up, Pluto was a planet. Now Pluto is no longer a planet. So I can have debates with a niece or a nephew about that. But if you go a generation or two, you're talking about wiping out an entire history. You're talking about not letting people know about what happened doing redlining or Jim Crow or white flight or all of these things that caused people to be, in a sense, I guess you could say segregated from each other, essentially, um, instead of being fully integrated in what caused some of the issues that we have in this nation. Um, and then that's, I don't know, that's one of the biggest challenges for me as I watch my nieces and nephews go to school and I'm constantly sending them quick videos of like tidbits or shorts or reels so they can see a highlight of what our history looks like and then encourage them to go watch the full length videos of some of the things that I send them just because I don't, I don't have all the wealth or the knowledge, but it'll be great for them to hear the 17, 18 minutes of um, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream Suit, but then also hear something from a Abernathy or a W.E.B. Du Bois or a Langston Hughes or a Malcolm X for them to see people who had various views, but all cared about people who look like them. And that's why I always tell people like you have people who always talk about I Have a Dream speech, but they don't talk about that speech in Memphis. They don't talk about um, his uh, letter to the, in the Birmingham jail when he called out all the white pastors. They don't talk about <laughs> Like, oh, no, it's stuff that I tell people to go listen to. And you listen to this man talk about the nightmare and saying we got to find a way to fight back. And, you know, and basically, basically, I would tell people MLK not only got assassinated because of hate and evil, but he got assassinated, which some see as either CIA or FBI, one of those organizations. And I only say that because they settled with his family many years later. So don't settle for something that you had nothing to do with. But because of. Um, substantial evidence it was that they were coercing to find a way to attack him and his family um but you have where he was going to dig into the pockets 
of white America by having basically black people stick together and only buy black, essentially. And when he started talking about the economic standpoint of where people should spend their money, it became, you know, bombings at his house and threats calling his home and his wife telling him, I need you to calm down. We have kids now. You started seeing him and even Malcolm get together where people always thought they had problems, but no, they just had differing views on how to lead, but they had conversations on how to uplift um, Black people as a whole. So if people, I would say, go listen to his last speech, the one in Memphis, and go listen to the letter to, to um, from Birmingham jail from him. But, you know, it's, it's deeper than the I Have a Dream speech. He has countless speeches on YouTube where I'm just always mesmerized by somebody so young. And I'm talking at his early ages before he passed away, but somebody in his early 20s, early 30s, the way that he conveyed a message that was God-inspired and the way that he continued to just speak life into people. And even for somebody like him, not specifically him, but I wish we had that as a focal point or somebody who we can vote for our um, upcoming election coming in 2024. But we don't. We have um, somebody who likes to grab people by their body parts. Another one who's just trying to figure out life day by day without missing any steps when he's walking. Oh, and I prefer that one. Evie, <laughs> um, um, win the lottery so you can run. I support um, you. I am definitely telling people, like, I don't know what's what's next, because I love what I do, and I'm about to transition into another job, hopefully in a few weeks when, I don't know if she listens, but when somebody officially retires. Um, but some days I'd be looking at my life, and I'm like, I don't want to because I see some of the challenges um, in politics, and I see just the wor- way the world working. But some days I'm like, I need to go work on somebody's campaign just to get in the room yep. mm-hmm. and then like be locked in where like early 40s or something, just dive into the scene of like, you know what, I'll run for congressman, do that for a year or two, run for Senate, do that for four years, and then be hopefully the face of Florida and be on one of y'all ballots in my early or late 40s, early 50s, because politics is definitely have always been, I would say, one of my dreams, just because I think the power that those individuals have is different. And I wish all politicians were also on a term as we do the presidents, because I think that's what also stagnates or keeps our country complacent, uh, where there's not many fresh ideas or innovative thoughts. Um, even reading some of the stories of like 18 or 19 year olds running for mayor in some of these small towns and then the, them winning and some of them who look like me. And it's just like weird because like, oh, it's only a town of 500 and nobody else is running or it's somebody who's been a mayor for 20, 30 years and people are tired of this person. And now this 18, 19 year old kid who just graduated high school is figuring it all out. And it's like, that's a success story because that person has the potential to make a big difference and to change the way that his city is viewed um, in his state and hopefully in his region as a whole. So, yeah, keep being great, people. Love it. Well, speaking of being great, I will just hop in with my recommends. And y'all know I love books, although I don't think I've recommended books in a long time. Uh, There's just something about having a book and being in that in between those pages. I grew up in the age of you want to know something wasn't Google. It was go get the encyclopedia. And if you had those in your house, that was a blessing. Most of the time people had to go to like the library to get like the mm-hmm. full A to Z encyclopedia. So like there was a lot of just patience. And I'd say, I dare say even respect for knowledge and truth seeking. Um, anyway, there's a great book out and it is kind of on that same vein about what the internet is doing to our brains by Nicholas Carr. He uses like philosophy, history, science, and like cultural developments to do a deep dive 
in an examination of how the internet is influencing our brain and its neural pathways. I don't want to give anything away, but check it out. I know a lot of people are into summer reading. If you haven't read your book yet, we still have about, I don't know, a month left of summer. Dive in, Nicholas Carr, what the internet is doing to our brains. Check that out. Sharika, what you got for the people? Um, Something we actually sort of talked about today. Um, On Netflix, there's a limited series uh, called Depth v. Heard. And it actually talks about the trial with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, but also the role that the internet played in all the shenanigans or the proceedings and all that. So it's Depp v. Heard on Netflix. All right. And I'll finish up with another thing on Netflix for you guys, um, just because we was talking about politics and I just got into watching it and I watch, which is crazy because sometimes it's like when you have free time, you're like, what do I do with all this time um, before I was able to come back from um, just leave to be actually working? I was just like, what do you watch? And it's a, we was talking about politics. So designated survivor i watched all of season one in two days it was like 21 i think 20 or 21 episodes now i'm already on like seasons i'm at season two episode six trying to run through those 20 or so um and then hopefully get to season three sometime later this week or next week where it's only 10 episodes but designated survivor on netflix um long story short without giving details too much about it um, the entire cap during the state of union address hopefully this never happens in our country but during the state of union address the Capitol building basically is bombed. Everybody dies except for like one or two people. Um, mm. And then the two, they have where they have somebody who's a Democrat and somebody who's a Republican are serving. Well, let me take that. One person who's part of the cabinet, like so one of his secretaries of education or urban development or a state, blah, blah, blah. One of those people and then one congressman is put in secret locations as a designated survivor. So if something were to happen, that person would take over. So with that, bombing happening the designated survivor becomes the president and then he has to start leading from day one and he was somebody who has no experience in politics outside of being like the secretary for urban housing development or something like that for hud essentially and he was the he was acting president where he has to build a judicial build a supreme court justices build a congress house a senate all of those things and try to find out who's behind the bombing and all of those things. But super dope show. Um, if you don't got nothing to watch, I think you will be intrigued and keep you on your feet. And some of the things that happen are just like, wow, I did not see that coming. Um, but yeah, that hopefully cool. that's everything. Hopefully that y'all got that. Um, two things on Netflix, one book to read. So that means watching things and reading things are all good for those of you. Some of you are visual learners from you are more tactile where you got to be hands on. And some of you are auditory or, you know, whatever verbal have you learned but hopefully these three are great recommends for you if not guess what we got some more for you next week Mm -hmm. Um, but as always if life tries to knock you down make sure you kick back until next time